Welcome to the Trauma oh. Channel. Uh, today we have Max Feinberg, um, American Ninja Warrior competitor, who's also a trombone player. Hi, Max. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you, Jack? I'm doing great. Extremely honored to meet you today. I know seconds ago I told you I was watching you on national TV, and now I'm speaking with you, and it's just it's just really exciting to speak with you today, man. All right. I'm psyched to be here. Glad to meet a fan and fellow trombone player. I, I mean, that's. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, I guess my first question is, have you heard of the Trombone Channel before the, Before your first um, segment aired on TV or not really? I mean, I've been going pretty deep on YouTube looking at trombone stuff. I know for a fact I've seen you guys before. So, I mean, just to see like you in my DMs, like right after the filming was pretty cool. So, Max, uh, kind of start us off in the beginning. Like, where were you born and where do you grow up and where do you live now? Just I was born uh, in McLean, Virginia which is right up north, right, like 20 minutes outside of uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I've lived here all my life, so 17 years, born and raised. My first question is, which came first, the trombone or the ninja thing? So both kind of started around the same time uh, in fifth grade back in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were like told to pick an instrument. And of course, uh, I was reading some comic book. I think it was Big Nate. and Never heard he, of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I just grown up on him mm-hmm. and he played the trombone. And I remember he wasn't good, but he constantly annoyed his parents with it. And of when like I was offered the choice to start playing the trombone, I was super stoked at that chance. And so that super naturally led into that. And Ninja kind of started around the same time. Me and my friends would play on the playground after seeing the show and we all had the dream to compete on it. And, and we just wanted to replicate as much stuff. And both kind of started around the same time, pretty young. Okay, so going back to the comic thing, was it someone in the comic book that was a trombone player or was it the author? It was someone in the comic book. Okay, okay. I guess, I guess I'll look into it later. Maybe my editor will put a picture of it in the video right here or something like that. Who knows really? Cool. But, um, but yeah, it's great that you picked the trombone. And um, was the show created because the popularity of Ninja as like a sport was growing or something like that? I mean, was the NBC show like new at the time or how old? What, what season was it in when you were in fifth grade? Do you remember or? Yeah. So the show had has like a long history. It started back way in the 1990s in Japan. Oh, wow. Uh, in a version called Sasuke. Mm-hmm. And that was like every year, a hundred competitors would take on the four stages and it became such a big thing that America wanted to do it in their own version. And so it gradually led into the version we have today. And it was back, I think season six or seven mm-hmm. back when I started, uh, I loved watching the show and seeing those guys and I knew I could do it. Awesome. So I think it was just a combination of you and your friends playing the playground and America adopting the whole ninja yep. thing yep. that that led you to, you know, not do football, baseball. I was going to ask you in the way it was like when the choice to pick a sport goes, where was the ninja table at? Because you wasn't football or baseball or tennis or anything like that. It was ninja. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> where, where was that table or in that, <laughs> in that involvement fair or something? It was where your friends were and, and that just kind of happened basically. Um, yeah. What were your first years? as a ninja like did you like it or or did you did you have to like fight to compete with other people your age i mean what was it like in your first years obviously you're you're younger in fifth grade you're tiny yeah no so when i first started this gym called urban evolution out like it was a couple minutes for me and it was a great start for me it was like a bunch of other guys similar to me who all have been watching the show but they all just had like a love for the movement of like jumping around and swinging around Mm -hmm. And just by going there for years and developing like that strength and baseline, that helped me so much with Ninja just to grow from the very bottom. And then in addition to that, my parents uh, were also super supportive and they helped put up this Ninja section uh, in my basement. And I've been building that out for the last like seven years now. I always thought... I always thought that was like some gym you're at. I'm like that the the fact that that is your basement that is pretty darn epic. Honestly, I can't. I live in an apartment. I can't fit any of that in my place. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a mess right now. And uh, my parents aren't psyched. I've punched like one too many holes in the ceiling. <laughs> but I mean, I love it. Like I can build almost anything. I'm just kind of limited by the height, but it's super great for training. Did you have to find like roof studs or something to put those ladders on or? Yeah, so we already had the studs, and so we just hired some outside guy, and he put in like this main ladder, the monkey bars, and then from that, everything else, me and my dad had just been working on for years. 
Awesome. That's really cool, man. I'm really, really excited to get to, you know, essentially like use your own like space for your time as opposed to driving somewhere, you know, yeah. paying for the gas debt and all that basically. But um, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that sounds really cool. So I guess the next question I have is, is growing up through puberty, working out, give you the advantage of having started Ninja two years ago? For sure. Uh, like Ninja's been with me pretty much every step of the way. So I've always been able to continue training even as I'm growing, adding uh, weight. Well, not much, but uh, I mean, not as much as some of the other guys. Muscle weight, right? Or Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's just been a... I mean, it's also helped in the sense that I've gotten taller and my wingspan's gotten bigger, which is one of the biggest advantages you can have in Ninja. Yeah. Like for me, I'm tall. Like the like, swan, you know? Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm like tall and skinny, which helps a ton. And it's not the advantage, like, I don't know, back when I started, I was short, uh, not not athletic at all. But now being able to grow through it, uh, it's worked in my advantage, to be honest. Awesome. Well, that sounds excellent. Uh, let me just look at my let me just look at my uh, list of questions here. Was the thought of competing on the NBC show American Ninja Warrior a dream of yours, or did you or did you ever think it was true unrealistic? Like, when did you when did you say to yourself, "I'm going to be in the TV show"? Whenever when I, when I turned eighteen, at the time you you would have known basically. Or I mean, when I first started watching the show, like so many others, it was like a show, and you look at a lot of reality shows, and you're like that's awesome. Like that'd be pretty cool to be on it, but you never really think about the fact that you can be on it. And then as the years went by and like Ninja started developing more outside of the show and the show started on to take notice and starting to recognize the athletes that weren't on the show, but were crushing it in local competitions. That's when they first lowered the age limit to 19 from 21. And then from there, they went even further to 15. 15. Oh, sh- I, I thought it was, I thought it was 16. I heard sorry. <laughs> Now, when I heard about like that, I, I went nuts because that was when, you know, me and my friends, we would be competing locally and just wondering when we would get our shot because we weren't supposed to have it for another four or five years. And then they make that announcement and invite us. And that was unbelievable. Do you think that's as low as they're going to go 15 years old? I mean, it'd be crazy because some of these guys, even younger than me, 12, 13 are kicking butt. I mean, the show, I, I'm sure, is taking note of them. And they have... Uh, their spinoff American Ninja Warrior Junior, uh, mm. which is where I first started. Um, Your first competitions? Uh, yeah, back okay. on American Ninja Warrior Junior. I was 13 then, and that was a fun time. I don't know. I'd like to see him go younger than 15. That'd be cool. You grow up, you do ninja stuff, basically. So um, your your time to compete comes comes. What was it like during your, during your first competition uh, as a junior or ninja? And when was this? So American Injury Junior, I competed on the very first season, and that was back, I think, in 2018, um, right before high school. And mm-hmm. so it's a show for nine to 14 year olds, um, Middle- split up into brackets. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it is head to head races, unlike mm-hmm. the show, which is just you one at a time. Course. Exactly. So I'd gone up against uh, three athletes, and I had won all three races up until the semifinals when I got lucky and raced Vance. I mean, it was a great start for me, um, but I lost to the kid who won both years. Okay. So, so you did the junior thing for two years and uh, and then you went straight to NBC, the, that show? Or? Um, no. So then I had, I think one year off, that was when the teenagers really started to compete in the pro level competitions and the show took note of that. And in early 2020, right before COVID, mm-hmm. they had invited 20 teenagers to compete on season 12. And that was a dream come true for me because they were supposed to film in Washington, D.C. And then COVID came and they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they filmed their modified season, which makes complete sense. I know it's hard on all the production. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they came back for season 13 and brought back more teenagers. Uh, And then we filmed out in Tacoma, Washington. And so... I don't know. It worked out great for me personally. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm, re- I'm really happy for you, man. Um. So I guess we can uh, take. I guess we can take a little detour here. So you pick up the trauma in fifth grade. What were your trauma years like? Did you were, were they on and off? Did you want to be as good as on the trauma as you were and on ninja basically, or did you find yourself being better at one so you invest your time in that over the other? Growing up, I kind of liked both equally. I started taking lessons like pretty much right off the bat, mm-hmm. um, just because I enjoyed playing the trombone so much. Yeah. So taking lessons, fifth, sixth, seventh, 
fifth all the way through now. So, I mean, I've been growing with that just as much as Ninja and I've had a great time. Awesome. Uh, do you want to pl- do you want to give a shout out to your teachers right now or not really, or, Oh yes. Yes. I remember my elementary school teacher, Mr. Pittman, uh, he took partial credit for how I did on the show. Yeah. Shout out to him. I loved him. Okay. Uh, now here's a great guy. Uh, Mr. Zimmerman and Mr. Wise in middle school and high school. Also great. Big fans, big fans. Wouldn't be where I am. Awesome. Them. Awesome. And uh, so what are you doing with Trauma right now? I know when I saw the second episode, that was yep. when they did yep. the extended uh, segment on your, on your, yes. I guess, profile, because like every contestant, like there's a, there's like a backstory or like, oh, this person's yep. mother died or something like that. Or this person broke yep. his ankle and he's coming back or anything like that. Um, one thing, one thing I saw was, um, is it McLean High School or is it something called something? Uh, di- McLean High School. Okay. And one, one yep. thing I noticed was when they were showing videos of you doing, with the marching band the band's yep. kind of small um, compared to so well, I'm not sure about last year it was during like they had a spring marching band season oh. um, like yeah because they couldn't do it in the fall and so they gave everyone the option like because most people were still uh, pretty COVID safe pretty concerned about that mm-hmm um, they gave them the option to do that and so it was generally smaller but it was shown to be smaller were, but how big is it actually or 200 people. I oh, think. shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, well, big band program here. That's that's the band I would have liked to see. You know, like yeah, 200 people, not not just not just like, I don't know, 10 people. <laughs> I don't know. So right now, what are you right now? What are you doing the trombone? Uh, is it are you still doing marching band or anything else? No, so marching band's over. I'm just playing in the school's symphonic band and jazz ensembles. Are those the top two groups? Could you could you play in are there like is there like a wind ensemble, like an advanced band, or are you just kind of like or is, uh, our symphonic band is the top one and then uh jazz ensembles like higher the two. I see. Yeah, back in high school, yeah, my high school, I went to Libertyville High School. So you so if you know yep. where Chicago is, it's north about like forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a cool. great great school. I made the top band um my senior year. We got to play yep. in the in the University of Illinois band festival, uh, which oh, is crap. very, very like it's national caliber, but it's only bands from the state of Illinois and it's really good honestly we also got to yeah. play in um Chicago Symphony's concert hall it was like uh that's it was sick. like three bands from Illinois that just got to play in that play in yeah, that concert hall, awesome. which, is, which is really cool honestly and uh yeah I, I had a great time so that's trombone basically I guess we can fast forward to like the time when they won, they announced, Hey, we can let 15 year olds in. And then the moment when you realized you were going to be on the show. So like, I guess first is what is the vetting process or like the showrunners can't just let anyone in the show because yeah, yeah, I, they, yeah. ne- they need to like verify that you kind of can compete the course or that you have a history of being good on junior or whatever. So like what were the credentials that got you in and what was that like? Yeah. So the show has a really long application process. Mm. There's right. A, right. Cause there's, there's million, millions of people watching it. Exactly. So it has the written portion where it gets pretty much all of your information, like name, where you're from, uh, athletic and educational history, stuff like that. And then that's when it starts to go into your backstory. And so when I was filling out the written stuff, I was just, I talked a lot about trombone, designing my own obstacles, uh, my mom having breast cancer, mm-hmm. all that gets thrown into there. And that's the stuff they can base your backstory off of on TV that really helps them. And then you submit a three minute video where you talk like you're it's just you talking to the camera, showing about your, you and your personality and it, making sure you can actually compete. Yeah. Is lots it, of ninja stuff. Is it okay if we talk about that breast cancer part a little bit? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Um, I guess we can talk on the surface surface side of it a little bit first yep. is what is breast cancer? Obviously, it's breast cancer, but like, is it self-explanatory? Like, oh uh, yeah, I'm. My mom caught it at a super early stage, mm. and so it was just one surgery and little medication, and then after that, she's cancer-free. Um, now, and I think good. Yeah. Wait, since when? Yeah. I was fa- wait. We just fast forward really fast. There, so, so she's cancer-free like right now. Oh yeah. So the show made it seem like it was still. She was ongoing. dealing with that. It was not. Um, she was dealing with it from October of 2020 to, I think, through January of 2021. What the show does is they actually film way ahead of when it airs. Mm. And so qualifying semis in Vegas all actually filmed way earlier in 2021 than how it aired. So when they were doing all the interviews, all of like 
the footage and vocals, all that stuff, my mom was still treating it and dealing with that. And then it just happened to air much later in the year. Awesome. So I guess my question for that is when the first episode aired, when did those things actually happen? Because I already knew, like I, my, me and my family have been watching American Ninja Warrior for a few years now. We, we'd always yeah. known that like, oh yeah, this isn't live. This is pre-recorded stuff. They don't send this time machine to make you look yeah. slow motion or anything like that. But like, so it was July of 2021 or with the first episode aired or with you in it. Yeah. And when did it so actually happen? It happened. I forget. I think it was mid March is. And then there was like a two week break after that before semifinals mm-hmm. and then like a month break before Las Vegas. So when it happened in March, they were yep. they were doing all the like they, they sent the camera crew to your high school when? Oh, so that was a funny story. Mm. So after the second run I had where I got the feature, yes. I ran on the first night of semifinals. And on the second night was when I was scheduled to have my home visit where they would send a crew out to come record with the marching band mm-hmm. and do a lot of home shots. And so I had to compete overnight that first night of filming and then fly home the next day. And then I think I got one night of sleep. And then the next day was when they filmed the home visit. I was in second place pretty much the entire night until the very last runner, Daniel Gill, who bumped me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just making that face. <laughs> if I would have stayed in top two, I would have made it to what they have, the power tower where they take the top two runners yes. and put them head to head on like this massive tower. Was that the, was that the one power tower he screwed up and caused like the yes. other guy to win? Oh yeah. Yes, that was that same night. <laughs> that could have been um, shit. That could have been you. And you could have been this like Instagram famous or something. I don't know. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. But what happens is that all gets recorded five days after that night I ran because they run through each night of semifinals and then the power tower the next night. Oh, um, okay. And so I would have had to stay in LA for like another week. And that would have like screwed up the home visit and all mm, that. And that mm. would not have gone well for them. Um, it's it's a catch 22 both ways. You win, but you don't yeah. get your home, but you don't get to be there. And, and they just talk about you. They don't get to show you there or you lose and you get to like actually talk about yourself at your hometown. Well, they would have had the crew come anyways, but it would have been a lose because the producers would have gotten a little annoyed. You know, they would have had to reschedule that and that would not have gone well. But I'm happy with the way it went. You know, something else. So, you know, the guy who won it all, the, the champion that year? Yeah, Caden, right? Caden? The kid with the long hair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, I wonder if he won only because Daniel Gill got coronavirus. Because when he got COVID, he was, just, he was just disqualified from the entire show. I mean, he easily would have been champion, but because he got coronavirus, the other kid won. You should, you should thank coronavirus for that one, right? I, I mean, <laughs> if he got COVID I mean, early, you would have won. You would have won it. I don't know. I mean, it's always hard to tell with the show. Um, it's not like other sports where you can find the best of the best. And know like 90% of the time he's going to be on his A game. Yeah. The show, you're you're looking at obstacles that you've never touched before. Mm. And so you've never touched before, you've never seen before. And you factor in a ton of other things like you're competing overnight and fueled off like Taco Bell. Get- and so even someone like Daniel, who was, play- I mean, straight up one of Buff. the best. <laughs> um, I, yeah, like anything on those four stages could have taken him out. And that's the same with anyone. And so it's always hard to predict something like that, but I just know one of the seasons, his season ended because it was just like thing where you got to like hold on to something and then you got to thrust your body upwards to like, to like go backwards or something like that. And and like, and like like that, and like that device, he he cleared it, but the device failed on him. So it's the showrunner's fault, but, but they called it his fault. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I've I tried that obstacle later on in the season. I mean, those those like levers that the ring had to go under. Yeah, those were heavy, and I don't think it was an obstacle malfunction. I just don't think what happened was like designed to happen. Like, mm. definitely wasn't the no. way the obstacle was supposed to work. But I feel like there was some something in there, and then at that point, Daniel was like switched up his grip, and then it dropped down. Yeah, let's let's yeah. back up a little bit. So. They they lower their age limit to fifteen, and um, you you can you fill out the application process, and yep. like, did you honestly expect to be selected? Because like, you were probably uh, up against like a um thousands of other candidates who also would have been on the show. Did you honestly expect to be selected, or or was it completely a surprise to you? You know, I 
I always like with stuff like this, I put my chances at 50, 50, mm-hmm. it happens or it doesn't. Um, like so I've kind of learned with the show, anything can happen. And so I never really get my hopes up until it's confirmed. And so I can't really remember how I was feeling like beforehand, but I mean, when I got the call that they wanted me to compete, I was over the moon. Was any part of you kind of thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should just kind of lay low and do what I do best where I am. I mean, um, I, it's like, I, it's like, you don't need national television to validate your, your ability as a ninja, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the way I had seen it for a long time, the show is what I had been training for. It's the goal. Like mm-hmm. the million dollar prize is of like, course. <laughs> it's within, it's within my reach. And mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of other people. And so just to have that opportunity, uh, I was like, I would have taken that every time. So like March was your first day. And where was, where was yep. the first day in March? Where was the first competition? It was in Seattle. Awesome. So you had to fly there. Yep. And did, did, yeah. did they pay for your travel or, or was it, or was it on you to pay for it? No, they had paid for our airfare and hotels. That's nice. That's good. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, and, and, and how, and how long before was it when you got selected? Like when you got the like call? a month before, okay. like right. it was not as much time as I would have expected, mm. but I mean, yeah, you're in high school. So you had to tell teachers, Hey, I'm going to be an American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I got to adjust. I got, I got to adjust a couple schedules here. Like, did, did you have like any big things planned at the time or, or was it not too, too, I mean, too big to deal with? It worked out great for me because qualifying overlapped with spring break. And then for the next two rounds, we were online. And so it's not like I had to miss any school because everyone from school is like, somewhere different so uh, at the time you were doing zoom school basically yep yep. do you like or hate zoom school i love it i mean i prefer to like what get an extra half hour 45 minutes of sleep um be able to come down here and in between classes be able to put up new obstacles or just play around but it also allows me to travel uh while doing school i spent a lot of last year in colorado getting some great training in there uh, it was annoying though, because since Colorado's two hours behind, I had to wake up at like 5 a.m. for school, mm. uh, which was not ideal. But I mean, I, I was happy. Like, when did I you, was able to. So, when yeah. did you go to Colorado? And why? And so, what wait, What does the place in Colorado have that McLean, Virginia didn't have or anywhere near Washington, D.C. have? My friend, Caden Lubsack, the kid, the guy who won the show this year, the mm-hmm. teenager, mm-hmm. he's one of my best friends. Awesome. And I love that. I love him and his family. And they actually... Did you ask gym. for any of the money he won? Hey, can you share he with your buddy? He promised me a trip to Disneyland, which I'm still holding out on. But he has a gym out there and it's it's outstanding. And so before each filming, I was able to go out there and get great training in on obstacles I would expect to show up. Obstacles we were predicting would come back. And just having that practice, especially in Colorado with the altitude, mm-hmm. that was great practice for me. Yeah. So like acclimating yourself to breathing in thin air so that when you go to thick air, you are, you're, you have all the oxygen, you have the, you have the, exactly. all, you have all exactly. the oxygen capacity in the world, basically. Yep. I was filling in for you with the orchestra at the time. And I was just like an, an extra. I wasn't actually in the orchestra. I was just like an extra because they didn't have enough. And there was yep. this like trumpet player. I, th- I don't know if he was talking about himself or someone else, but he would take, he would do auditions. And I think it was at Detroit or something like that. And like, he would play a phrase. He would play two phrases while require a breath in between. And he just played one phrase and, and the judges would say something like, why didn't you breathe there? And he's like, cause I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did you move to Colorado and how did you stay there for? So what I did was I, since all the filmings for this year were out on the West coast, kind of far from me this year, uh, what I would, this season, uh, the last season, okay, okay. what I would do is I would fly to Colorado the week before each filming. And so I was able to get great training and great recovery in with those guys. And then I would go straight from there out to the filmings. Awesome. So did you, did you miss home when you were there? A little, but I mean, I was just looking forward to the experience. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back home, I just kept looking back on how great it was. Talk to me about your experience doing the first round. Like, did you, did you recall anything unique? Because I know they abbreviated your first run because yeah, because um, they just didn't pick your run for some for whatever reason. Talk to me what what it was like. Because obviously more happened than what the show showed and all that. Did you made it seem like it was easy? But was any of it hard or like surprising or challenging? No, the f- the first round was 
one of my favorite experiences. So a couple weeks beforehand, my casting producer reached out to me mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we want you to bring your trombone and play like something on the start line. I was like, all right, all right, I'll get to practicing. And then two weeks later, he reaches back out to me. Hey, like no copyrights. Like it's gotta be copyright free, all that. Nothing fun, pretty much. <laughs> and so I ended up, I forgot what I played, but I remember like, Bingo. yeah, that one. Yeah. So I remember a couple minutes before my run, like when I was getting ready and they took like a quick break for um, production and everything. Yeah. I was like scared out of my mind. Wait, and they, they, so they told went, you right before you were going to go on stage to say, Hey, by the way, no copyright. Was that when no, they told no, no, that was, it was back at home. Okay, so I had sorry. a couple weeks to practice. Editor, editor yeah. fixed that for me. I, I'm, I'm just not <laughs> thinking right now. Yeah. So I went behind uh, one of the banners and, uh, was just kind of like playing around just to like calm the nerves down. Mm-hmm. And I, like my body was as warmed up as it could be. And so like continuing to hang off a bar would not help. I see. So I was like, let's play the trombone some more and get like comfortable and playing the uh, trauma, you know, get playing the trauma and calm your nerves down. Really? <laughs> I mean, you know, song for Japan. Yes. 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 I was, yes. I was really just playing that through until I was ready to go. It's a very, so- like, it's a, it's a very, it's a very soothing yeah, piece of music. It's exactly. very relaxed. It's not like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I was doing that. Then they called me up to play and then run. And I don't remember much from the run, except that pretzel twist, that obstacle with the pretzels, that last obstacle is way harder than it looks. Mm. Um, I know I one thing. You, I know one thing you struggled on was anything where you had to turn with your whole body. Like that was something <laughs> you struggled. On. I think it was. I think it was the second one. I may. I, I maybe. Second think, ad, I've th- got so much crap for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I couldn't figure it out. I like getting my body to turn in that direction. I could do it. I don't know what it was. Everyone did it so easily, but I couldn't. Awesome. Well, let's 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 not get too ahead of ourselves. I I, I just want to methodically go through this because yeah, I know yeah. we're bouncing around a little bit here. Um. So you hit the buzzer, and were you ever afraid that you weren't going to hit the buzzer? Uh, looking at the course, it was pretty technical, which meant I can be as strong as I want and know anything on that course would have taken me out. And so with the show, I could just I could run at my own pace, which was great. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really think too much about the buzzer or falling until. The, like the very end i just took it one obstacle at a time and like before my run all i thought about was the first obstacle mm-hmm. and when i got to the second obstacle just thought about that and just kept that pace all the way through and then i hit the buzzer and that was cool awesome so everyone who hits the buzzer in the first stage second round no matter what yep yep even if there's over 30 people the amount they take um, they'll take everyone who hits the buzzer. Awesome. So, so I guess we can fast forward to like when that show was, when that part was aired, were you uh, kind of getting yourself ready for a, an influx of a lot of social media messages when that show aired? Like, what was that day like when, um, when you knew that day was coming where you were going to be famous and all that or something like that? The days every one of my episodes aired were so exciting. Like I would wake up, crack a dawn, just be texting my friends all excited. And then I'd just be like on NBC the entire day, just waiting to see if they would have an advertisement. For my episode just to see like a little sneak peek of yeah. me i think i did have one of those at one point and then like i don't know the time would just get slower and slower as it got to right when it aired and then just watching the episode is amazing it's like reliving some of the best moments of your life yeah and i don't know i had goosebumps for the whole two hours awesome so by the time the first episode aired how many how many rounds had you have you competed in um, obviously the first one which was in seattle had the, had the yep. semifinals already happened by the time the first one yes. okay and what about yep. everything happened by the time the first one aired yes. everything was everything had finished a week before the first episode aired wow Okay, so essentially, you had to keep your mouth shut for a long time. Like, hey, I'm oh, I'm I made it to oh, the finals, yeah. guys. But but you, but you can't say so you can't spoil it. I mean, maybe you can tell your ninja buddy friends who already know what happens. But like, do they make you sign this non-disclosure agreement? Of like, hey, you can't oh. you, you can't you can't go on social media. It's like, this is what happens, and you're going to love it. This is why you should watch American Ninja Warrior to watch me go to round four or, or things like that. No, the second you get on set, they drown you in paperwork. It's like, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Here's what you can touch. Um, <laughs> touch? 
I mean, it like they have it all covered, like every scenario. It's pretty clear, like they want it's a TV show. They want to be the ones that announce things, not you. Right. Has anyone ever like broken that? Not that I know of. I mean, all the big names that I talk to, they're real smart about it. They know if they want to compete again, they got to keep their mouth shut. On the note of big names, who were your idols growing up? Ninja idols. Ninja Idols, I was always a huge fan of Kevin Carbone because mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the maker ninja. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I look that. up to that for sure. Like, I want to build the obstacles as well as he does. Have you ever actually gotten to build something that the show put in there? No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, All right. I guess that wraps it up, everyone. Sorry, his, his dreams of being... I, the, I I'm, kidding. Obstacles, I'm, I'm, I guess. I'm kidding. So Kevin Carbone, anyone else, or is that really it? Uh, Jake Murray, I was always a huge fan of. He's got like this goofy antic thing mm. uh, that I really look up to. I mean, he makes you laugh every time he runs, but he's also one of the most serious competitors I know. Like he takes it so seriously and is there to win that I admire that. So like when you were competing, did anyone actually know you were competing or did you, did you get to announce it to your buddies? You're allowed to announce that you're competing ahead of time. Like everyone knew I was competing before I did, but then after each round went on, they'd be like, Hey, how'd you do? And I'd be like, Mm. <laughs> got to keep my lips shut. Uh, w- uh, uh, what what does mm mean? Does that mean you win? Did you lost? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They take every little hint they can get, and it's like I can't say anything. Right. So, like right now, has anything from season two happened other than the announcements? Just objectively speaking, has uh, the next season that I'm going to be on is going to film like a month and a half from now okay. in San Antonio. Well. Good luck, honestly, man. Um, I, hey, thank you. I, I, I hope you do even better this year. I mean, you did amazing this year. You did the first round March of last year. Yep. Did uh, did that um, change your mindset of going into going into round two? Like how how to approach things? Maybe play maybe play some more song for Japan right before round two or something <laughs> like that. You know. <laughs> now, so the next round, way more nerve wracking. You're in a more competitive field on a harder course, and, and it's time based. Um, like you got to got hit the buzzer. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then the court, like everything is just more challenging. Mm -hmm. And so I get to set. Oh, and it's overnight, which sucks. Over. Wait, what time was this? (laughs) I ran at midnight at midnight. Yep. Oh, wow. (laughs) That, that, that puts things in perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there's a funny story about that later. Yeah. Sure. For the next round. Yeah. So going into it, it was definitely nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd been training so much harder. So I knew I could waiting trust. all day until midnight yep. to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me and a couple of friends had been walking around uh, Universal Studios uh, City Walk that day mm-hmm. just to take do anything to take our minds off of it. I think I've been there before. Wait, where, yeah. where was this? California? This was in Hollywood. Yeah, I think I, I think I've been there before where, where they keep yeah. like, where they keep like the Breaking Bad van or like yep. any other like famous movie artifacts that they just like to have yes. that make people yep. go, wow, it's that thing they had in the movie, you know? No. So when we were going to set, uh, they threw all of us on a shuttle and they the shuttle like went through the back lot and it's like, that's where America's got talent films. That's where like <laughs> superstore films, all these like great. That's shows. where uh wheel of fortune films. Like I, th- I think we were exactly. outside that door once and the red light was on us, which means we couldn't ruin the show, <laughs> you know? And, and then you like look over and you see this massive course. It's like built whatever, 20 feet over water, this like shiny thing. And then you see like all these obstacles. You start to like re- recognize what they are. And you're like, Oh crap. Oh shoot. Like <laughs> that's scary. On the note of seeing the obstacles, like obviously you could yep. see it, but could you see other people compete before you go or were you not allowed to let, or did they make it so that you could not see any of how the other people do it so that you can just, learn from their mistakes so, or, or could a friend of yours have gone first and said, Oh yeah. So this happened to me. Um, word of advice, do that. Something like that. Or yeah. So they have us in a holding tent beforehand and there's like three monitors in there. So you can watch people's runs from a mm. TV screen. Of course, it's not the same as watching them up close in person, but then you have the option to be on somebody's sideline and mm. that's a little better, but the course is just so big and you're so like close up. You're like looking straight up at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you get to watch that. I mean, everything kind of looks bigger from the ground. And then when your friends are getting back, they're telling you all these little tips and tricks they figured out, what feels different than how you'd expect, yeah. what like what's easy, what's hard. 
And of course, when I get back to the holding tent, I'm like, okay, guys, learn how to spin your body because I can't do it. And I was like <laughs> tired out of my mind. On the note of sidelining, who who are, is that what it's called? Just sidelining and just like being there to cheer your yep. buddy on? Like yep. who are, who are the people you sidelined for during that first season? I remember... Owen Dyer. I was on all three of his sidelines on uh, the Flamingo guy. After the season, he became one of my best friends. Awesome. I mean, he's one of the coolest dudes I know. I don't know if you know him, but Michael Johnson, uh, Christian Yost. Uh, I, I, these names I've kind of heard. That, that's all I can put. I mean, yeah, yeah. not necessarily put a face to them because you only put the face to them when you, when they, when you see them on show. And that's kind of like how they For put sure. them together. For sure. Yeah. And they like nicknames are always like key. Like the show keeps throwing on Graham McCartney, the Island Ninja. Mm-hmm. Like, People yeah. name is that, not Grant. Yeah. So second round happens and uh, you do hit the buzzer, but what was yep. it like? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> the second or the second course, I went into it the same approach, you know, play the trombone, but instantly off the bat, I noticed since we were outside at night thing was a dew on it. Like everything was a little wet qualifying. You're on like carpet. You don't have to worry about it. But here when like you're running and you're making use of, like every towel between obstacles, like you got to wipe your hands off because you don't get chalk, which is something that's crucial. Is that intentional or is that just like, oops, it's wet. Deal with it to, think, to make it hard to make it harder to hold on to. Oh, like, oh, definitely not. Definitely not intentional. Um, everything there has grip tape on it. And so oh, mm-hmm. most of the stuff is grip tape. Okay. And so you don't really notice it, but we're so used to training with chalk, which seriously helps grip, mm. gets rid of sweat that going without it is a little scary. It begs the question, so, do you train with, do or should you train without it to make it to, to, to know what it's like or something like that, you know, or, Oh, you absolutely should. But I, I don't, I mm. train with it every day. Mm-hmm. So running the course, I mean, everything I could feel it was harder. It was taking way more of a toll on my arms. And so it just kept going. And I, there were some obstacles I just couldn't figure out the technique for. But then when I got to that split decision at the end with the inverter and tuning forks. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the, the longer one with your arms or the shorter one with your feet that yep. you probably will fall 75% of the time or something like that. Like, wh- why did you choose that over the, the one on the right? I mean, you, you probably saw the people yeah. before you and you, you were probably thinking about the decision even before you walked on or something like that. Yeah, I know I can trust my upper body. Like, even if I'm pumped. Like, I know I'm not letting go in front of those cameras, but I had a feeling when I was up there, I was so tired that like, I started considering like the lower body and I was like, nah. And then I was like, I'll take my chances. And then, cause I'd seen what I think at that point it was two or three people before me failed that upper body obstacle and no one had cleared it. And I was like, okay, I won't be the first. And then we were, and then I was like, oh crap. Oh crap. We're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then at that last obstacle was brutal. I, I, I could mean, see in your eyes just how insanely exhausted you were. Like, yeah, like right before the third set of doors, you got to push oh up. You're, you're just, you're just this. The face was just, it was, it showed everything. I'm like, dude, this man's <laughs> going through it all. Like, even if you're someone who's been training all these years, semifinals was just the most grueling. Like, it's cr- it takes a, like most courses are designed whatever they'll tie your legs out or they'll tie your arms out. Mm. But there's just so much course, to do full body. I was so like insanely gassed that I don't Once I got up there, I was like, Oh, was there? <laughs> and then I don't I could, there's like happy tears, happy tears. Don't. And then I was like, wait, stop crying in front of the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Awesome. Well, congratulations, man. And I think what was unique about that, and I remember you're one of only four people to hit that buzzer. Was it the second to last thing that sent most everyone else not to hit the buzzer? Or? So what I noticed was right at, you know, the salmon ladder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That yes. one. That right one. after that, there was an obstacle called corkscrew, which was these red discs. That when you grab, they would drop yes, and spin. Yes, yes. Yep. And no one failed it that night, which was surprising. <laughs> yeah. But it it was insanely pumpy. It was three massive impacts on a row, like trying to shake your grip off. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, that's when people started a wall. And that's what I noticed. That that split decision, like that got in people's heads. And people I know could have cleared that upper body obstacle chose to go for the lower body one and then that knocked out some people yeah. same thing with upper body people i know could have gone for the lower one 
did that. That's what makes that split decision so mental. Like you have to think about it so much, like really weigh your choices. I mean, everybody who made it to that point moved on, which is great, but there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And as we, as we discussed before, like you were one second away from being in the power tower, which would have been really set. Seven and a half minutes, and it came down to one second. That blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope that you will get a power tower moment this year. I really do, honestly, man. Just just to see Daniel Gill fail another power tower exercise. Like, uh, I, th- I think it was some hook that he failed to hold on to, and like, and that got the other dude who beat you. Was it the same guy who beat you in Junior Warrior? That- no, different guy. Oh, um, okay. So the power tower is a completely different mindset when you're running that course. Like it's only five obstacles, I think, but everything is high up. Everything is bigger than it should be. Mm-hmm. And you got to add in the element of speed. Like don't think just go. Yeah. And when Daniel was going, like I give so much respect for his approach. Yep. He was going all out, but I think he underestimated how light that bar was. I can't speak for him, but a two seconds later, the bar was off the track and the other dude is finishing. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's just a testament that like the best of the best can have moments like that. Yes. I, I you, you see it all the time and it's, and it's like, and they're like heartbreaker moments and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's what makes the show good. It's like, it's, it's not just, Oh yeah. Jesse Graf will just kick everyone's ass. It's no Jesse Graf will fail. will not advance in the second round and that's it for a season or something like that. Or it's this one dude who can't, do the double wall climb and repeatedly falls at or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with the show. Everything is so unpredictable. The element of surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You can be as strong as you want. And the first obstacle can take you out. I can. So, uh, so considering you were the only teenager to one of two, the only only teenager to hit the buzzer on the semifinals and one of four and even more, the, the detailed coverage, like the, like there was nine minutes yep. was poured to your, to your semifinal segment. They talked about yes. that in, de- in depth. We got to see your high school marching band. It was amazing. It was the long segment. It was, you hit the buzzer and you were one of the few who finished that. Like it all, it was like, one, I think it was one of your most epic nights, honestly, in my opinion. No, absolutely. I was actually out in Colorado during that. And so just to see it happen with like surrounded by all my friends, um, they told me ahead of time, that I was going to have that story shown for mm-hmm. that run, mm-hmm. which made sense to me. It yeah. was like, yeah, it was good for them to air. I had never watched the run. Like I had done it and then tried to replay it in my head for three months after that. But like everything goes by so fast. You can't really remember. Yeah. yeah. And so just to see it again with like Matt Akbar's commentary with like all the edits and stuff. I loved it. It was amazing. I'm sure it made you realize how long it actually took. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I go that slow? <laughs> like yeah. seven minutes goes like what you said, seven minutes go by. And in your mind, it might've been like two minutes or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Really? So hitting the buzzer in the semifinals, no power tower, but you do go to the national finals in Vegas. And what was that like? I walked into qualifying in semifinals thinking those were like extreme. I show up to Vegas and it's like, what? Huge. It could be bigger. It was four courses that I've seen on TV for years. And that's when it started to set into me for me that like, Oh, I've done it. Like this has been my dream for years. And like, yeah, in the next two days I could walk away with a million dollars. I didn't, but just having that realization was pretty crazy. Right. So your first and second rounds of all happened in two days. It actually went on longer than it was supposed to. And this is, that story I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to run stage one at like 11 at night. Mm-hmm. They give you like an estimated time. Yeah. But for some reason, Vegas deserts chose to be cold and windy that <laughs> night. And the next week, we're back like in this holding tent that's getting like blown apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, pieces of the course have like dust all over them. Oh, no. And so, of course, they just keep delaying and delaying. They have to, cl- they have to clean the course so that it doesn't look like trash for national TV basically or... doesn't look like trash and the jumping spider was way slicker than it should have been <laughs> like people would get in there and slide right out every the dust wait the, the one where the one you have to go like this and then yeah oh yeah okay yep. yeah they had been making modifications not modifications just like cleaning off the course mm-hmm. making sure everything was safe making sure the crew was like not getting blown over because i mean those winds were going and so i ended up running at 3 a.m 
What? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like I'm back in the holding tent. Like, please don't make me run tonight. I am so tired. <laughs> Feinberg, you're up. And I was like, oh, here we go. Did you try to sleep then, at all? Or? I no, no, no sleep was. <laughs> did, they, did you give you any day. coffee to keep you up or caffeine or something? No, I survived the whole night on like pretzels and fruit roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't my best, but you know, best line of the interview right there. <laughs> we made it through, so that's what mattered. All I need is pretzels and fruit roll-ups to keep you up at night. <laughs> uh, nice. and that's what I've been doing in competitions ever since. It works. Did you did you compete any later than that at night, or is that the latest you were? That was the latest because the next time when the, the next round stage yeah. two, they run you in like they take the podium scores and they flip it. And I placed, oh geez, maybe 21st or 20th out of 27. Mm. And that meant I had to run seventh or eighth on stage two. Mm. And so I remember like pretty fast because that course was hard and fast. That took everyone out. So uh, to hold, to hold, to hold up right there. So if you did, I didn't know this. I'm, I'm not sure if they said this on TV. If you did extra well in the first round, you didn't have to do as well in the second round because you did more better in the first round of the finals is that how it is or no so what they do is they only take finishers if you hit the water you're out right or if you time out Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't really matter how well you do as long as you just keep staying dry Mm -hmm. but it helps to do better because that sets you up in a better position for the next round i see i see so the second round comes in and uh what is this like a couple days later for the second round of the finals like how long we're in vegas for i'm curious and when was, was when, in, when was Vegas actually? Late May, late May. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I was there for eleven days. Eleven days just to compete twice and maybe watch your friends and all that, or no. So the competition only took place for like the last five days because there was stuff on the end. But they had to fly me and a couple other teenagers out early because since it overlapped with uh, school, what one of the rules, at, like one of the production rules, is for every day of school you miss, you have to do three hours in a room. And so the thing was, I had missed like a week, maybe. And (laughs) so I had to sit in the room for like 15 hours and they split it up into two and a half days. And so, but it it was the most odd experience for me. Wait, wait, why are they making you sit in the room again? Sorry. Can you, I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused here. Like, wait a minute. Okay. Skipping school, sitting like, wait, solitary confinement. What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. So for every day of school, you miss, uh, you're required to do a set amount of hours. Uh, on set mm-hmm. and they had to fly a couple teenagers out early to do the school on set because they didn't want you to have to do school the days you competed right, and so if right. they could bang those out if they could bang out the hours way earlier that would advantage everyone okay and so I, it was a weird experience i mean i liked it i was doing like whatever like logging on to classes and stuff mm. and like knocking reading books in a room with five other ninjas and it's weird hey what's up man i see you on tv oh oh, my god do homework sorry sorry you know what i mean oh yeah like the room is dead silent like you got a dirty look from the teacher every time you never think to mix your school life and ninja life and so when you're in a setting where like both are happening at the same time i loved it because it was like so so they pitched they put you in a classroom and they and you you tell them what you what your classes you're in and they try to mimic that basically no so um you write down all the work you have to do i think that's just for them to like Mm. make sure you're doing something oh yeah yeah and then you basically just sit there i think i was in a room with like six other ninjas and we all just had like our own desk and a computer Mm -hmm. and they said okay like do whatever work your teacher assigned i think it's so that they're not just for the sake of being on an american ninja warrior just kicking you out of school for free i guess yeah (laughs) i see and i think yeah, just I think ju- it's more prominent with like child actors for like real TV shows. They don't want those kids missing whatever three, four months of school mm-hmm. just for filming. Yeah. And so they have these laws in place and that makes sense. Right. And I think there are other rules when it comes to like people under the age of 18, which included yeah, you, yeah, exactly. like making sure that like, I don't know, yep. like you are safe and that anything that happened to you was didn't make the company extra liable for legal damages yeah, or something for like sure. that. Okay. So, um, your last, your, your last, um, round comes and the unfortunate reality, what happened was you, um, you did fall unfortunately, but what yeah. was, but what was it like? What was it like? Obviously stage two is the big one. Mm-hmm. So 
Stage two is like the highest course. There's fire. It's all built over like a giant pool. (laughs) I mean, everything is super scale, super sized. It was scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm scared of heights. And so I looked at that course just as a monster. Since I was running seventh that night, I knew I like, I got to warm up, pee like 10 times. And then I'm like, I didn't get a chance to watch many people. I remember I'm standing on the steps ready to walk up while the guy before me is running and some like casting agent runs over like with his straight horn trombone and like, here you go, Max. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like now, like I was scared of my mind. Do they want me to go up and play the trombone? And I was like, no, no, I think I'm good. Which in hindsight, I completely regret because Mm. the one time I didn't play the trombone, I fell. But (laughs) Okay, well, well, yeah. well, 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 then that's a curse. Now you got to play the trombone every time. So, so some yeah. person just hands your trombone out of the blue. It's not even yours. Yes, it's like the prop departments. They should have trombone. <laughs> honestly, should, yeah. honestly, like, why don't you just bring your own? Wouldn't you have appreciated if they just said, "Hey, like, well in advance, hey, we want you to play the trombone because it's great." Well, I don't know. It was, it was weird. So they told me to in qualifying. They told me to bring my trombone out. I was like, okay. And then semifinals, they're like, we don't need you to. We already got to the club view playing the trombone. I was like, sweet. So I didn't worry about it. I didn't have to like bring it on a plane. And then maybe an hour or two before I run, a casting agent runs over, or not a casting producer. Um, one of the guys, crew members behind the stage, yeah. behind the scene, brings me like some straight horn trombone from the prop department. And they're like, do you want to play this? It's like, sure. And so I went up and I'm pretty sure I played like an F scale. <laughs> Bingo. Right. Half an F scale. So they, and then, so they hand you the same trombone right before the second round. And yep. uh, you, you, you say you don't want to play and you regret it. And that's all. My awesome. mouth was so dry. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, man. Uh, you you would have, you, uh, honestly, you would that, that means you would have played terribly or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have rather played terribly than fall, though. Yeah, I'm running the course. And the whole time I'm like in the right mindset, like, okay, okay. Like every, there's only six obstacles and I got through three of them and I'm like, okay, we're halfway. And then I'm looking at the hammer that I fell on. Yeah. Yeah. The thing you got to wrap around and yeah. Yep. And looking back on it, I see, I, I did everything I could have done wrong, wrong. Oh. Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't get my legs up, didn't get my arms in the right spot. It's not like a, Oh, if, if I did this, I would have gotten it. It's like, I did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, if I did one thing right, still would have fallen. Right. And so that that runs easy for me to look back on. It's mm. not like, ooh, like I could have done so much better. I know. Right. Uh, like, and I'm super stoked about my season went. Yeah. Awesome. Like, well, I mean, in any way, in any case, you hit four no some three buzzers. Yeah, you hit three buzzers without touching water at all. And what was yep. and what was the water what did the water feel like? Oh, it was cold as hell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like a freezing night in Vegas and they just filled it up with a hose, I think. <laughs> uh, the pool is like 11 feet deep, but uh, all I cared about was not losing my glasses. Right. And they didn't show it on TV, but the second I hit the water, they flew off. And I spent like 10 seconds like fishing around for him blind. And then once I found him, I was completely happy. Did you like, did then, you, did you, like feel it or did you like actually see it or something? No, or? I felt it. My eyes were like, I was like blinking out the water. So they, they th- that could have been like, what is Max Feinberg doing? Is he drowning? No, it's like a finished glasses. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> and these things sink too. And I don't want to yeah. swim all the way down there. Wait, 11 feet deep? The oh. Vegas pools are super deep. Oh, shit. I can imagine what's going through your mind. You just fell. You just, you're, you're Susan just ended and your glasses fell out. You have to swim 11 feet down to think, why did I just lose that? Where are my glasses? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm sure a lot was in your mind no, no. when you were deep in the water or something. No, no, no. I got lucky. They, like, since I was, like, throwing around so much water trying to find them, they never sank. <laughs> oh, and really? so I got them, like, just in time. Oh, yeah. good, good. Awesome. Yeah, very lucky. But, yeah, um, you did your mother proud. I will definitely say that. You and your family proud. Your community proud. Thank I mean, you, you did an amazing season. I have... N- I have n- I have no doubt you will do as good, if not better. Just make sure you just play. The, come just, back and just, top just play the trombone before you go. I mean, not playing is a curse Absolutely. at this point. Or, or is it just superstition? I don't know, man. But um, in any case, did you ever deal with any injuries as a ninja growing up? I've gotten lucky. Um, I know a lot of people that are suffering from elbow or shoulder problems, maybe like a sprained ankle from a big fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember maybe two years ago, I was going for like this really big move and like really big throw. I got my fingertips on the bar 
rest of me decided it did not want to hold on. I flew off the bar and actually like landed right on the back of my head. Uh, It was over like this foam ground. It was, I mean, it's squishier than concrete or carpet. Uh, It was a mild concussion, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't too detrimental. Like a week later, I was fine. Mm -hmm. I I would say I've gotten particularly lucky with not having any injuries. Nice. Uh, Happy for you in that regard. Interesting question I have for you. How would you say trombone and ninja overlap? For me, it's a lot of uh, hand-eye coordination. I've always known, like, once you develop, it's the same thing with trombone. Once you figure out where positions are, when to, like, click a trigger, you know, like, all that stuff starts to become instinctive. Ninja's the same way. Just having that idea in your head of, like, once you do something enough, you figure it out. Yeah. And you can shut your mind off and your arms do the work for you. But then my coach right before the show reminded me that rhythm is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I never struggled on an agility or balance obstacle this year. And that's because I can figure out, you know, like most people like are super inconsistent with their steps. Like they're kind of hesitating, speeding up. I mean, he was right. If you keep that consistent pace uh, on a balance obstacle, that course, like you're just going to keep motoring through it. Yeah, just like keep just keeping a consistent like forward yeah. motion and and with yep. muscle memory, the rest will take care of itself basically, as opposed to like okay, yep. one step and you know exactly. There's a lot of muscle memory that goes into implanting trauma, and it's like when you start a note, like your body has to know when exactly to do when exactly to do this, this, that, all of the above basically. So obviously, the reason you um. Are, are heading back was probably heading back to season, your second season probably because yep. of your successful first season not hitting the water yep. until round two of vegas which is um i i, I it will never <laughs> it will never get old for either one of us honestly right yeah okay so the show typically brings back um their top returners as well as i mean it's not like counting out the people that didn't make it as far they know who they want to have and even if someone didn't do as well as they wanted, they want to give that person a second shot. They want to see that person succeed and go further. And then as well as new competitors, they always want to keep the field fresh. You're yeah. not seeing the same field every year. But I mean, I'm glad they're putting me in their top returner category. That's an honor to me. Awesome. So, they, um, so they'll always bring back like good competitors, but never, never will they put a newbie in front of someone who just does well. Has that ever happened? Or and and they're and someone's like, um, but dude, it's like, but dude, I did so well. Why isn't this fresh boy in the, in the course or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's always hard to tell. You never know what they're thinking. You like they don't announce anything ahead of time. You basically just send an application, making sure that you have a story that you can tell. Mm-hmm. That's always a big thing. And a lot of veterans who've done well in the show fade out because. At some point after eight, nine years, the show is told everything they can. Yeah. And so even for me, like with all these teenagers coming in, I got to keep like giving them something they can show me as. And so, of course, this year I hit more of the breast cancer stuff, uh, raising awareness, and raising money, as well as the trombone thing. Awesome. Just making sure like, don't forget that, guys. I'm still like the trombone guy. So obviously, every gym right here. What's the gym you you work out at right now? Like, if you if you want like to work out with other friends of yours, basically in the yep. area. I train at a gym called Dexterity Depot, mm-hmm. and it's in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, two hours north of me. Uh, that's a long drive. How often do you go there? Oh, oh yeah. I aim for once a week, but it ends up being like once every other week. Um, because mm. I compete so often. Um. I, it is a drive, uh, and there is stuff more local, but to, for me, that's the best training I can get. It's an amazing gym with amazing training partners, mm-hmm. and like short of getting on a plane, like that, that's as much as I can ask for. Like it's amazing. Who's your ninja friend um, that has competed on the show? I will say that that lives closest to you. Do you meet up often, or or all your friends just kind of all over the country and, and do like not meet up often really or um, maybe, like maybe in the off season honestly obviously you'll meet each other and say hey man what's up and i'll see you again but like do you guys do you guys ever get together in the off season i mean there's a lot of local competitions all over the east coast all over the country a lot like every weekend wow. um and you know what it's gonna be like a big competition coming up like you can tell there's a lot of advertising like they're promising it's gonna be good you know it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you can tell a lot of your friends are going to be out there. And so, you know, you all show up, you all compete together. And then you go to like this amazing dinner at IHOP at like yeah. midnight because the conference so late. Yeah. Uh, it's never, it's never great, but it's always just a fun time seeing them and being able to get to spend time with them. Awesome. And I guess the last thing I can, we can talk about is just uh, the future of the show American Ninja Warrior. I did look up online and I want to believe this is true um, that it, the show peaked in its popularity in 2016 or sometime around that or, or whenever else you when you think the show peaked at. Uh, I mean, I mean, viewership has peaked at some point. The latest season was like the least it's been viewed since before it started peaking. And it just, yeah. it just makes me wonder it. Like some people were on the show for like nine or 10 years and it makes, and it makes me wonder, and may, maybe you wonder, and I don't know, if, and I don't know if you don't know the answer to this or not. If like, if your ability to even participate in a show in, in the show is going to last much longer because if your ship's going down, maybe, maybe the board, maybe NBC, um, people say like, Hey, well, viewership's going down. Maybe it's time we cancel the show and just say goodbye to it. Maybe shelve it for 20 years. And then do you know anything about yeah. that? Or I could be completely wrong. It's just something I've talked about with my friends, even though the show, like it, it isn't at the viewership it was at a couple years ago. It's still a good show. Yeah, it's I mean, still a good show. It's just, yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of shows are in that phase just because of streaming services, stuff like Netflix, mm. Hulu, HBO max, you know, and they're not, and they're are, not able to, determine how many people are watching because they're not watching it over cable or something or i don't know if it's that but i just think a lot of people or a lot less people are on cable tv right stuff like that. right right and so it's always difficult to figure out you know what people are doing but it's even more difficult to figure out like what the show's thinking but i know like every time you think they might disappear they signed another contract for two years mm-hmm. and that's what's been happening lately and I'm really open. It keeps going for, you know, for a long time. Awesome. Well, um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to maybe uh, give a shout out to or something I'm completely missing that you you think, hey, we need to discuss this or anything like that? Or I want to give a shout out to you. You were my biggest fan this season. I mean, <clears throat> out of everyone that reached out or commented, uh, by far my favorite. Wow. Um, I'm honored, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was just cool to see like, it wasn't like not that many people reached out who were like in band, but the one like the big one that did, of course, runs a trombone YouTube channel. Yes. So <laughs> that that was cool to see. Uh and it's been great like talking to you, keeping in touch. Oh and yeah. I know I know what I want to say. I, I'm glad I remembered this because like, oh yeah, uh this might be that second this might be that one line that my editor throws at the beginning of this yep. video to like make this uh I don't know. I've always wondered like, hey, maybe next time you go on the stage to begin a course or whatever, you just you just kinda where am I where am I like trombone challenge shirt and be like, subscribe to the trombone channel, everyone <laughs> or something like that. But like <laughs> but to be completely honest, um breast cancer your mom breast cancer awareness that will always be bigger and more important than my channel will ever be no matter how big it gets it's an important cause you're raising awareness of and um i to be honest i kind of salute you for that i mean it's always great going up there and just knowing that you know i know for a fact like there's people out there watching who are in the same situation as me that like you hear about your mom your wife daughter any anyone in your life uh, can be impacted by it. And it's way more common than it should be. I wonder, even after your mom has already recovered right now, the show will be like, yep, your mom's recovered. I wonder if you are still going to be that breast cancer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're in the one and eight is not enough thing in this, that, that basically I almost want to, I almost want to send a, send you a custom trombone challenge shirt, colored black where it's the TV, but instead of the trauma, it's the breast cancer logo. And I can put on the back says one and eight is a one and six, which is it. One and eight. One and eight okay. is not okay. Is that yeah. what it says? Yeah. I almost want to yeah. maybe send you that and maybe you wear that in the show or I don't do that. And I'll let you do whatever you want to do and keep myself out of it, but keep my brand out of it basically or anything like that. But um, in any case, um, I, I wish I could express my appreciation of your support for breast cancer awareness. You know what I mean? Now, thank you so much. I appreciate all the support, everything. As, as far as I can tell, Max, what an honor it has been to chat with you today and just getting to know like 
some of the behind the scenes stories that happened, that your experiences with ninjas and all that. I just uh, can't wait for a lot of trombonists and people with breast cancer or just like breast cancer advocates to watch this interview, honestly. I mean, I think this will be a great interview people will watch in the future. Absolutely. I love meeting you. I love getting to talk to you. And even more, I love getting to share my experiences um, with the show. I know there's so many people out there that have always dreamed and ex- aspired to be on the show, just like me. And I know like always hearing stories like this, just getting that insider information. I don't know. I'm hoping I'm, I look friendly enough that like people aren't scared. Uh, I don't know. I'm always free to reach out to a maxing 11 on Instagram. Um, come and chat. You know, I'm always here. I'm mm-hmm. always here to give advice, tips, training advice. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Um, I also have a discord server of my own. You can also join if you want or not your choice. Honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. You can, you can join that as well, but yeah, Max, you and your, you and your parents and everyone at McLean have a great night and I'll, and, uh, take care, take care Max. All right. Great. Good luck to you in your second season. Hit, hit five buzzers, get a million bucks. All right. For me. All right. That's the plan. Send me, send me, send me Disneyland. Don't do that. I'm curious. (laughs) Send your friend to Disneyland or something. Anyway, anyway, all right, all right, Max. Have a good night, and I'll see you in season you two. All right. I'll see you. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye bye now.